This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. Real love is calling, listen, opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. When we get here into chapter 6, you're going to notice that when the seals are opened... The first four seals that are opened are attached to four horses. And this is sometimes known in culture as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So we're going to see here in chapter 6, as each seal is opened, there is a first a white horse, then a red horse, then a black horse, and then what the Bible says is a pale horse. It really means a, a light green horse. All the Christians are gone, just like that. Mass chaos is all around, and you wonder what's happening. Well, let me tell you, Jesus is trying to get your attention. Meanwhile, in heaven, all the angels are asking a question that no one can answer or act upon, that is, until Jesus does. He sets in motion God's correction on all sin. Friends, it will be let loose on the earth. Are you ready? Pastor Gary will explain about each wave of judgment that comes known as seals. It's not a pretty vision. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 6 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. All right, let's take our Bibles out and go to the book of Revelation. We are still making our way through this apocalyptic book about the end times. So let's take our Bibles out and go to chapter 6. That's where we left off last week. We finished chapters 4 and 5, and today we're going to be looking at chapter 6. Now, before we read into chapter 6 and before we pray and commit our Bible study to the Lord, let's just first get kind of a running start so we understand the context as we are heading in now to chapter 6. And the section that we are now heading into, chapters 6 through 18, are some of the heaviest chapters, not just in the book of Revelation, but really in the whole Bible. Because these chapters speak about God's coming wrath. As I've said before, sometimes uh, God has to work in rather strict ways to finally get people to yield. You know, he gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to turn to him. And uh, if we are stubborn and we refuse to, then he will literally turn up the heat to try to get our attention, to try to get us to the place where we finally will cry out to the Lord. That's his heart behind chapters 6 through 18. I don't want anyone to read these chapters and think, what a loveless God, what a, what a harsh God, what a terrible God. Because if you understand your own heart and sometimes your own reluctance to yield to the Lord and your desire instead to live for yourself, your own pleasures, your own desires, then you can appreciate that God is going to go to great lengths to, to try to win us. And if that takes at the last hour, which is literally what we're reading about, if that takes at the last hour 
a hammer in order to really wake us up, then that's what God's going to do. Because it's, it's the final call. It's the final call for people to come to a place of faith in Jesus. So these chapters are heavy. Uh, we're going to talk about it. We go verse by verse. So we're going to go through these in great detail. But please keep in mind that as heavy as these chapters are, this is God's final wake-up call. Okay, so in order to understand chapter 6, i got to quote a little bit from chapter 5, because this is what we read at the beginning of chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And so John sees uh, God the Father on the throne of heaven as John has now been transported by the Spirit into the presence of God in heaven. And he's writing these things that he sees and these things that he hears And one of the things that he sees here is God the Father on the throne with a scroll in his hand. And what we identified that scroll to be last week in our study is basically the title deed to planet Earth. And it is sealed with seven seals. Now, don't think of it as seven seals on the outside of the scroll. Think of it as one seal on the outside of the scroll that will be broken. And then the scrolls unraveled a little bit further until it gets to another seal. And then that seal has to be broken and then unrolled even further until we get through seven seals that will be broken and opened. But John first sees that there's no one worthy to open the scroll until he recognizes the Lamb, who is Jesus. And he says this further in chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, that's Jesus, as though it had been slain, having seven horns, that's a sign of power, and seven eyes, that's a sign of wisdom, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And so the seven spirits, again, just meaning the sevenfold manifold uh, spirit of God and seven being a number of completion and perfection. So he sees the lamb perfect in power, perfect in wisdom, the Holy Spirit there represented as well. And Jesus is the only one worthy to take the scroll from the father who is seated on the throne. And the word lamb will be the word by which Jesus identifies himself through the rest of the book of Revelation. He wants to be known as that redemptive lamb that died on a cross that sacrificed his life for the sins of the world, who shed his blood for the sins of the world. So Jesus comes and he takes the scroll from the hand of the Father and he's going to unroll it and he's going to break each seal. And as he breaks each seal, he is going to be pronouncing a judgment written on the scroll. You're going to find that between chapters 6 through 18 in the book of Revelation, there are a series of judgments that escalate in intensity as you go from chapter 6 to chapter 18. We start with a series of seven seals, these wax seals that are going to be broken. Judgments will be read. It'll be followed by a series of trumpets that will be blown to announce more judgments, followed by a series of bowls, or some translations say vials, that are poured out upon the earth with more judgments. So you have a series of seals and trumpets and bowls that we're about to read, 
that will describe in detail the different things that are going to come upon the earth. God is giving us a glimpse of what is to come. Christians have this opportunity with our Bibles to actually get a glimpse of things that are to come in the future. We should be well-informed, we should be prepared, and these chapters should also light a fire under us to be more faithful in sharing the good news of Jesus with our neighbors and with our friends and our loved ones. Because if we really grasp that the world is, is going to... I mean, if you think now when we look at the news and we look at stuff that is happening tragically in our world right now, it is nothing compared to what is about to happen on the planet. And the world will be in such upheaval and there are going to be such terrible things that are going to happen. I hope that by reading these chapters, we're going to get even more of a passion if we don't have one already for our loved ones and friends who need to know Christ so we can be more diligent in sharing Jesus with them. And so what we find as we come through to this place here in Revelation chapter 6, we've already talked about Jesus' resurrection from the dead after he dies on the cross, then he ascends to heaven, then the church age is Revelation 1, 2, and 3. We are presently in the church age, so that is present tense, and then everything from chapter 4 on is future, with some exceptions. There are some chapters in Revelation that kind of look backwards, but generally speaking, from chapters 4 on, we're talking future events. So we looked at chapter 4, where John serves as a type of the church taken up to heaven. The word church is mentioned 19 times in the first three chapters of Revelation, and then not again until chapter 22. So the church is missing during this wrath period of chapter 6 through 18, which is what we come to now, known as the seven years of tribulation. There will be seven years of this tribulation, this wrath that is poured out upon the earth, the last three and a half years of which are known as the great tribulation because it gets worse. It escalates in intensity. And so this is the time period we're about ready to study. Now, sometimes we think, and incorrectly so, that as soon as the rapture happens, whenever that day happens, the rapture again being when Jesus comes only in the clouds, not all the way to the earth, only in the clouds, trumpet call of God is sounded, dead in Christ rise first, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So there's a whole generation of people, of Christians who don't experience death, we're taken, we're snatched from the earth, taken up to heaven to be with the Lord, I believe, during the tribulation period. Okay, and some people erroneously think that that means the seven years of tribulation start immediately. There's nothing in the Bible that says those things happen, you know, close to each other. It might, but the church might be raptured and the tribulation doesn't come for another 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. There's nothing in the Bible that says as soon as the church is raptured, then the tribulation starts. It just speaks of the fact in terms of the the great preponderance of, of evidence that the rapture happens before the tribulation, but the Bible doesn't say how, how much before. So sometimes, and the reason I point that out is because sometimes Christians look at their world environment and they think, well, it's bad, but it's not that bad. So we can't be too close to the tribulation. But there's nothing in the Bible that says we couldn't be taken now, for example. Just, I mean, today, tomorrow, next week, and then the tribulation, God doesn't pour out his wrath for another few years. It doesn't say that. So that is a good reminder to us to always be ready. Because you don't know at what point Jesus might come in the air to gather the church, to come for his bride. And so we have to be ready. Now, when we get here into chapter 6, you're going to notice that when the seals are opened, the first four seals that are opened are attached to four horses. And this is sometimes known in culture, 
as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So we're going to see here in chapter 6, as each seal is opened, there is a first a white horse, then a red horse, then a black horse, and then what the Bible says is a pale horse. It really means a, a light green horse that appears, and there are, there are horsemen riding these horses. And each of these seals are going to explain a, a, a kind of God's wrath poured out upon the earth. And the first four of these, of these seals are represented here by horses and a horseman that, that John sees coming upon the earth. So we're going to take a look at this. That is the, uh, the introduction. I'm going to read, it's only 17 verses. I'm going to read all of chapter 6, and then we'll come back and we'll unpack each of these seals. So take a look with, with me here. Revelation 6, starting at verse 1. John says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. And when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword." When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. Verse 7, When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer, until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. So here in chapter six, we'll start back in verse one and He tells us that the lamb that is Jesus opens the first of these seven seals. And uh, he talks about how he hears one of these creatures. This is one of these angelic beings saying with a voice, come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse. 
And so the first seal is opened, a white horse appears, and there is a rider on this white horse. And so the question becomes, who exactly is the rider on this white horse? Don't think it is Jesus. Jesus does not come until chapter 19. The one who was riding on this white horse had a bow, it tells us in verse 2, but notice no arrows. The bow was a symbol of peace. Arrows was a symbol of war. And so what it's telling us is this one who is coming on the white horse is coming under the guise of peace, but will actually be bringing war. The arrows are missing, so it's hidden for now. But he's going to come as a messenger of peace, the appearance of peace, but he's not coming for peace at all. And it tells us that he's wearing a crown. Now, there are two Greek words in the New Testament that describe crowns. One word is Stephanos, and that's the word used here. And another word is diadema. And when we get to chapter 19 and we see Jesus returning to the earth, he is wearing a crown, and the Greek word is diadema, diadem. The word used here for the crown is Stephanos. So a diadema crown is one that is ornate. It is royal. A Stephanos crown, like the one used here, mentioned here in the original Greek language, is the kind of a crown that an athlete would get in the Olympic Games, a laurel wreath. It's a perishable crown. So that again tells us that this one who was wearing the crown is not royalty. They're not nobility. This is someone who was coming with an inferior crown. It was given to him and he went out conquering, it says there, and to conquer. And so the white horse is ridden by none other than the Antichrist. This is the appearance of the Antichrist. The Antichrist will come during the tribulation period. And I want to first mention a few things about the Antichrist, the titles of the Antichrist, and then we'll talk a little bit about the traits and then finally the timing. So first of all, the the titles of the Antichrist, he goes by a few different titles in the Bible. He's called the man of lawlessness. In the NIV, King James, New King James calls him the lawless one in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. He is referred to as the abomination that causes desolation. Jesus uh, refers to the Antichrist this way in Matthew 24, 15. And Jesus is quoting from the book of Daniel. When he, Jesus says in Matthew 24, when you see the abomination that causes desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, flee, get out of town. And Daniel mentions the abomination that causes desolation in Daniel 9, verse 27. And he is referring to something that happened historically and something that is happening prophetically, at least from the time in which Jesus spoke the words about the abomination that causes desolation. So here's, here's kind of the, a lot of prophecy in your Bible has a near and then a far interpretation. In other words, it had dual meanings. It was like a sword. It's like a double-edged sword. It cuts near and it cuts far. A lot of times when prophets would speak of prophetic things, it had a very near implication and then it had a distant implication. And so when Daniel spoke about the abomination that causes desolation, there was an event that happened in 168 BC by a a Greek king whose name was Antiochus IV. And then he adapted for himself a title Epiphanes. So he was known as Antiochus Epiphanes. Epiphanes means like the, you know, the presence of God. And so that's how he saw himself. This Greek king, 
Antiochus IV, who was king over a part of the Seleucid Empire, which basically covered much of Syria, if you look on a map today. Antiochus IV Epiphanes was um, a very egotistical guy. Uh, He was rebuffed by a king of Egypt, and when he was rebuffed, he went back through Israel, and he just began to show his displeasure by slaughtering Jews and by doing something that was considered very profane. Antiochus IV in 168 BC took a pig, which he knew was an offensive, objectionable animal to the Jews. It was not kosher. Took a pig into the temple of God in Jerusalem and slaughtered it on the altar. And it was considered an abominable thing to do. It was the abomination that causes desolation. And as a result, about a year or two later, 167 BC, 166 BC, Jews rose up called the Maccabean Revolt, led by Judas Maccabeus. And they took back the temple and they purged it of this profane thing, this pig that had been slaughtered, cleaned it and uh, recaptured it and uh, took back their temple. Okay. But Jesus then, about... 185 years after Antiochus had done that, he says in Matthew 24, Jesus, that it's a future event. He says, when you see the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, meaning that Antiochus IV, what he did to slaughter that pig, cannot be the only fulfillment of what Daniel was prophesying about, because Jesus said it was something in the future. And what he was speaking of is a parallel to what happened in 168 B.C., And that is that the Antichrist will come, one who proposes and professes to be God himself. A man will come onto the world scene. And it is a man, by the way. The Bible says it's a man. Okay. So, ladies, it's not going to be a lady Antichrist. All right. (laughs) And if if you're looking around in government right now today and think it's not a lady, he's going to come and he's going to proclaim himself to be God. And this is what 2 Thessalonians tells us in chapter 2 that he's going to set himself up, this is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. There's going to be a great apostasy. There's going to be a falling away from the faith. And the man of sin is revealed. That's a reference to the Antichrist. The son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And so the Antichrist will come, and he will declare himself to be God, and he will set either himself up literally, or a statue of himself up in the temple of God, and that is the abomination that causes desolation, when the Antichrist comes onto the world scene. Now, I'm going to get a little ahead of myself, so let me first mention a couple of more things about the Antichrist, some traits of the Antichrist. He will, as I just quoted here, he will blaspheme God, he will oppose God, and he will exalt himself. He will set himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. The book of Daniel tells us that the Antichrist comes onto onto the world scene as a very charismatic political leader who will be very charming and will be able to secure a peace deal between Jews and Gentiles. Thanks for listening today to Cornerstone Connection, this book of Revelation that you've been studying with Pastor Gary. 
is one that many have studied and analyzed, tried and tried again to pinpoint on a timeline. When will Jesus come? When will these and times events take place? Have they already begun? There are many questions we don't have the answers to, and we won't until they happen. But there are some truths that we can hold on to. These events will happen. Jesus is returning, and he will defeat Satan once and for all. And all those who have made Jesus Lord in their life will be with him for eternity. What a wonderful time that will be. So where does that leave us? It's important to know what's coming so that you can prepare now and trust Jesus for what we don't know. We must give our lives to the Lord, and we need to give others the opportunity to do the same. We're so glad you tuned in for today's study in Revelation. If you'd like to explore more teachings from God's Word that Pastor Gary has shared, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you'll also learn more about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel. Come visit us if you're in the area. All the information you need is at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Join us next time for more here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know